Hallelujah. All right. Anyway, it's good to be here this morning. We appreciate y'all coming out. And for those of you who don't know us, we are Micaiah Ministries. Been traveling all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Russia, Norway, Burmalaysia, Finland, Jordan, Egypt, Japan. And as I say each time, you can tell I practice that a time or two. And it's good to be here this morning. And uh, we appreciate Pastor Chad and uh, just everybody, Eddie and Jason, taking us out to dinner last night. You folks, uh, you fed us well. I said thanks to Eddie. He said, don't thank me. The church paid for it. And so... Thank you, church, for taking us out to dinner last night. And uh, we enjoyed our evening together, and we're going to enjoy this morning together. And uh, we do appreciate your involvement in the ministry. <clears throat> We've been involved with Wellspring, uh, wow, for so many years. And uh, and so we know many of you, and you've been a part of what we're doing around the world. And truly, you are making a difference Together we are making a difference. One of the boys I want to tell you about this morning, his name is, uh, well, he's not a boy. He's actually uh, the young man that you saw there at the end talking, Sergey. He is like a son to me, and uh, actually he calls me dad. Uh, both he and his wife uh, call me dad because they neither one have parents. And uh, and so uh, they have adopted me, and I've adopted them, and today is Father's Day. So he wrote me this morning and wished me Happy Father's Day from over in Russia. And uh, he said, to be a good dad, you have to have a good example, and I thank God, and I thank you. And uh, so praise God, he's got two wonderful boys, and uh, they're just a great, great family and directors. And then the boy that I want to talk to you about this morning, uh, his name is also... Sergey. Uh, we always tease and say there's five names in Russia, you know, like Sergey, Sasha, Ilya, whatever. But uh, anyway, Sergey came to us last Christmas, <coughs> spent the holidays with us. Uh, most of you know we do these uh, Christmas New Year's parties at our house, restaurants and so on, out on the streets, orphanages, universities, and uh, we're getting prepared to do that again this year, and uh, they have learned well to do it without me because I haven't been there the last three years. We're hoping to get back there this year, but uh, they didn't think they could do it, but God has shown them they really can do it, and they're doing just an amazing job. But Sergey came to us last year. His mother had actually lived with us for several years, and uh, his story, the backstory on him is that uh, his mother was sold by her mother to an older gentleman, uh, and when he had his way with her and had a child by her, we call that sex trafficking, whenever he had had his way with her and had a son, then he kicked her out and he said to her that she was never to return and never to try to get a hold of her son uh, in fear of her own life. She could not have any contact with him. Uh, he wrote this to me recently. He said, when I went to the first grade, I thought, what a wonderful place this is. My father supported me. We went fishing and walking. I kept wondering where my mom is. Why does everyone have a mom, but I don't? Was I very bad that she just didn't love me at all and left? I asked my father where my mother was. He said she died. Of course, she didn't. She was living at Restoration House. I continued to study and make friends, but one day 
I was told the truth, that my mom is alive. I was very angry with my father and did not understand why he lied to me. When my father started drinking, there was no food for me at home, and my aunt fed me. I started begging for money on the street to buy something to eat. Honestly, I love both my mom and dad. So sorry, this is not much. I really don't want to remember my childhood. I feel very sad. Uh, when his father died, uh, his mother had been watching over the social network and had discovered Sergey. And uh, so from a silent distance, she kept track of her son. When the dad died, then Katya uh, reached out to me and she said, uh, I have to go rescue my son. She had the opportunity now just to go ahead and let him go to an orphanage. I mean, she's had nothing to do with him, and now he's uh, 16 years old. So now, you know, this is like this is like a, a young man who has lots of trouble, and her life's finally come to an even place. And so she has the opportunity that she can just walk away from him and discard him. But she writes to me, and she said, because of your example and rescuing me, she said, I have to go and rescue my son. And so she brought him to our house for... New Year's last year. He spent the holidays with us, uh, really got connected there at the house. When school was out, he came and he spent the summer instead of going out there and hanging on the streets and finding trouble. Uh, he spent the summer and then his mother and he agreed that the best place for him right now in his 17th year of life is at Restoration House and we can do more for him than his mother can at this moment in time. And so a few weeks ago, we had a baptism. The local church uh, that we attend over there, uh, they like to come out and use our swimming pool as a baptismal because they rent a, you know, a small place and, and there is no place for a baptism there. And so they were having baptism and young Sergei came and he said, can I be baptized? And so Olya and Sergei told him how serious that baptism was and, uh, and that it was not just, you know, dunking in the pool, but that it was actually, you're yielding your life to Christ and how serious that is. Are you going to consecrate your life and live your life for Jesus. And he still wanted to be baptized. Hallelujah. And so that's a good report, isn't it, about Sergey? Oh, there's so many good reports. Uh, we've got a young man by the name of Ilya. Those of you who get the newsletters, uh, you've read about him in the past. You'll read a little bit about him uh, in this upcoming month because uh, he was featured in a series of mini-movies that's being produced by the country of Russia concerning uh, uh, youth in crisis and those who've been raised in the orphanages. They deem him as a success story coming out of the orphanage uh, because uh, when he aged out of the orphanage, and as you heard on the video, uh, 10% commit suicide. Well, the sad news is since I made that statement, now it's 20% that are committing suicide in the first year of aging out of the orphanages. We're rescuing as many as we can. Ilya was one of those. He came to our house. He was obnoxious. You'll even read a little bit about that in the newsletter because Christina, one of our staff 
who came to the house when Ilya came to the house, she talks about how that they both came there wounded and how that he cast needles. In other words, digs, digs, digs all the time. And uh, so he was very wounded, uh, not a fun boy to be around. But I remember the one night that we connected, I was playing a game online called uh, uh, Nardi, which is a form of backgammon in Russia. And my son and I, Ilya, were playing together. And tall Ilya came and saw us. And he sat down beside me, pushed himself up against me. I leaned his head over onto my shoulder. And I could tell the reason he's so wounded and full of his needles is because he just really needs a dad in his life, somebody to reach out to him. We became family to him. Sent him through a chef's school. Those of you who've been reading the newsletters, you've read that already. We thought he was going to own his own restaurant. Maybe someday he will because he is a great chef. And he got tops in his class. But God put it on his heart to start, start a soccer club. And that soccer club has been getting recognition even into the Russian government. And this young boy teaches Bible to these soccer boys. And he goes back to the orphanages, and he volunteers at the orphanages. So they did a video on him. We can't use their video, but Brother Todd came up with the idea. I think Micaiah Ministries needs to make a video on Ilya. And uh, so TBN got together with us last week and uh, came out to the house, did filming. As a matter of fact, the Russian government had to give credit to Restoration House uh, for the change in Ilya's life. They actually came out to Restoration House, uh, uh, interviewed Olya and, uh, and Ilya together there on our veranda, showed pictures of the house, aerial shots. They showed pictures of other kids that we've helped through the year. Oh, hallelujah. And uh, so now TBN got involved with us last week and uh, came out to the house and then a young lady from James Robinson Ministries down in Texas is going to put this all together and so next year when we come back we're going to have a video of Ilya to show you and see the I'm telling you these things only to say thank you you're a part of everything that we're doing father I just lift up my friends to you matter of fact why don't you stand to your feet right now father I lift up my friends to you and I ask you right now in Jesus name lord that you would just minister your life your love your wholeness Father, everything that comes from heaven, sozo from heaven, Father. Sozo, the life of God, manifest in our friends, Father. For all that they sow, not only into our ministry, other ministries, and right here in their own backyards. Lord, I'm so excited about this this new uh, uh, ministry uh, concerning uh, freedom from addiction. Father, I believe that it's going to be such a blessing in this community. I believe, Father, that your fire is going to drive out the darkness in Jesus' name. Lord, that you're going to bring restoration in the life of many people in the name of Jesus. Father, that the chains of bondage are going to fall in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you that your light shines in the darkest of places. Lord, as we step out of ourselves and into you today, I thank you that you begin to think through our minds, see through our eyes, speak through our lips, And even touch through our hands. 
Father, would you allow the anointing that is in this ministry to be released to every here in this place? And Father, as I step forward to declare your word today, would you help me to preach it with conviction and not condemnation? Father, that would minister to the hearts and minds of every hearer in this house and watching online. Father, let your anointing that is in this house be transferred to every hearer on the internet. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you reach and get your Bible before you're seated and open your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7 and verse 17, reading just, no, stand. I want you to stand while we're reading this morning. Something I just feel compelled lately. I want to, I like to stand while we read the word. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 17, and it's a, it's a very short passage of scripture. When you have it, say amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 17. Do you have it this morning? Amen. He says, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Would you look at somebody this morning and tell them, why should you die before your time? Come on, ask somebody, why should you die before your time? And then look at them, tell them you're in the right place today and you can be seated. All right. In modern language, it says we should not be a part of wickedness at all. Everybody say, not at all. You know, sometimes when we read this passage of scripture, we get a little confused when you're reading in the King James there, I think, because he said, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Oh, so I can go out and I can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and God's winking at sin. Uh Uh-uh. Actually, we should not be a part of wickedness at all. People get involved in wickedness and follow fleshly desires. They encourage others to take part in all worldliness. They want to get involved in more heinous things than what they're already involved in. The advice of the writer is, don't be a fool. There's fun in sin for a season, but the wages of sin is death. Then the writer says, why die before your time? I was soaking in the word, listening to healing scriptures when I heard the man of God that was reading the scriptures say, why die before your time? Uh, many of you know that I've gone through a season. If I would have been here last year, I would have talked to you how that the word of the Lord had come to me for 2023 and the word was chaos. Chaos. That's not a word that I was looking forward to. I, I had sought the Lord for a word for 2022. He skipped 2022 and gave me 2023 chaos. And I thought, wait a minute. I'd like something like, uh, let's be set free in 2023. Or, I don't know, something cool like that. And instead, he just dropped the singular word into me, chaos. And so I started seeking the mind of the Lord as to what does that mean, chaos? And, and so here it was at the end of 2022, we started seeing the ramping up of possible war between Ukraine and Russia. And uh, all the governments were saying, no, the war was not going to happen. But Holy Spirit had spoke to me and said, yes, there's going to be war and you need to prepare for it. And so we started sending extra tens of thousands of dollars over to Russia because God had told us that we need 
need to make preparation. And then he also cautioned me that we needed to stockpile food. And, and so we released the credit card usage instead of, you know, holding a tight fist to the credit card and only letting them spend little bits on the credit card. We said, go out and max out the credit card and let's build up a stockpile of food. And every other day I was paying off that, that, that credit card so that we didn't get behind. And, and so we were making preparation. And as, as of the middle of March, March 12th, then there was no more usage of a credit card, no more uh, ability to withdraw finances from the ATM. I knew why God had spoke to me chaos. At least in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, there were many other things that happened. You know, uh, here it is, chaos in the in in the Congress in January. They couldn't seat a. a, 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 a Speaker of the House for 15 days and, and then all this chaos that, that we've seen through, through the rest of the year. I mean, even to the point of another variant of, of, uh, of COVID-19. And do you know that the name of that COVID-19 is Eris, the goddess of chaos? How many of you know God spoke a word to me? Chaos. And so I started preparing the church in 22 for chaos in 23. But I didn't know how close chaos was going to hit at my own back door. Now, those of you know that I've been challenged physically this year. But actually, I'd been going through the physical challenges for the past three years. I knew something was wrong in my body. And I thank God for all the people that, that were praying for me this year. Uh, it, it's just been amazing what God has done. And, and I'll intertwine little bits of that into the message this morning. But, you know, chaos hit my own back door. Uh, in January, I had uh, sat down with a PA and uh, been discussing some things, and and uh, <clears throat> she had given me some advice through a pastor's wife last year how to handle some things naturally in my body, but that wasn't working. And so she told me in uh, January, she said, you need to get a PSA done. Men, most men know what a PSA does. If you don't, ask your doctor and go get one done. But anyway, here it is. I got my PSA, and the uh, p- average PSA for a man my age is three to four and a half points. Mine was elevated to 76.8. My PA was just astounded. She said, I've never seen one this high. And so she said, you need to go to a urologist. And the long story short is I went to the urologist. Uh, the urologist treated me with some antibiotics, trying to bring the PSA level down, hoping that it was just prostatitis. Uh, but in fact, it was not. It only came down to 56. He was still very concerned. And he said, uh, you need to go ahead and have a biopsy done. I had that biopsy done. Before the results of the biopsy came back, I had to be rushed to the emergency room. I was in such excruciating pain. They said it was as though I had the the, uh, size of a small watermelon in my bladder. I could not urinate. And uh, it was uh, the most horrible, excruciating experience. I would never want my worst friend, my worst enemy, 
to experience something like that. And uh, so uh, they told me that within 24 hours, if I had not come in when I did, within 24 hours, I would have to be put on a list for a kidney transplant. This is how bad things had gotten. Uh, they checked me into the hospital. I did that stay while I was in the hospital. Uh, then my urologist called from uh, two hours away where I had been being treated by him, and he diagnosed me with prostate cancer. And he told me it was a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. Uh, you know, prostate cancer is one of those things that is probably one of the easiest cancers to be rid of. But when uh, you are, as the one uh, oncologist told me, that it was as though I'm at a stage four level uh, because it was such an aggressive form of cancer. And my urologist at the next stay in the hospital, because I had to be put into the hospital again because they had to do some things to my prostate because I was stuck with a catheter for 19 days. And it was a catheter that was three times size, three times the size of a normal catheter. So you can imagine the pain when you sit down. Oh, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And uh, But here it is. Uh, he told me, he said, I believe it's gone to the bones. And uh, that's really a bad thing when they say that it's gone to the bones. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I just kept saying, you know, what threat is death to me? Uh, because I'll just go to heaven. It's okay. And uh, that really was my attitude. And, uh, and then <clears throat> I had a pastor's wife who told me, stop being so selfish. You help too many people. And so you need to live. Hallelujah. And then she also told me in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, in the Amplified Classic Edition, uh, she pointed out a scripture, and I'll paraphrase it, that if you don't seek medical treatment when you can, then it's akin to suicide. And I thought, well, I don't want to stand before God as though I committed suicide and not do what I needed to do. And so I went ahead and submitted to the medical treatment. Now, I said all that to bring you to this. Uh, I was soaking because it, in my first stint in the hospital, uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to take a hot bath. Uh, a hot bath just soothes me. I don't know what it is. Maybe I feel like I'm back in the mother's womb or something, but it just feels good to me. And so whenever I'm miserable, I just say, I'm going to go take a hot bath. And uh, so I said to the nurse, I said, can I, can I get a, a, a bath or a shower? And he looked at me and he said, well, of course not, not with a catheter. You cannot take a bath or a shower. And uh, I said, uh, oh, actually, that was my second stint in the hospital. And also he said, and you won't be able to take a bath until at least six weeks after the surgery that you had. And so he walked out of the room and I was contemplating it. And I started to search the internet for healing scriptures. And so when he came back into the room, I had to pause my healing scriptures and I apologized to him. I said, oh, excuse me, let me just pause this. I said, since you said I couldn't take a bath, I said, if I can't soak in a tub, I just thought I'd soak in the word. Hallelujah. He said, oh, I like that. Soak in the word. And so one day when I was soaking in the word, I was in another room listening and all of a sudden I heard this preacher say, why die before your time? And it just rung in me. Why die before your time? Yeah. Why die before my time? Now, although in the context of this passage of scripture, 
We find that people are deceived by the enemy to involve themselves deeper and deeper into sins that cause their lives to be shortened. But in the same way, I think that we can agree today that the enemy is deceiving people with his lies that come against the promises of God. How many of you know God has made promises to his people? And so I think that you'll agree with me that the enemy is using his tools of deception all too many times to rob the people of God from what rightfully belongs to us. Now, when he said, what, why die before your time? I started really getting bogged down with my time. What is my time? When is my time? And so I started doing some research and found out that's really a complicated question. I searched and searched for a definitive answer, and up to now, I still haven't found that answer. Stephen was martyred between the ages of 28 and 32. Peter died between the ages of 63 and 66. Jesus was about 33 years old when he laid down his life. The apostle Paul died on the Isle of Patmos when he was 88 years old, and the apostle, I mean, the apostle John did, and the apostle Paul, writer of nearly two-thirds of the New New Testament died when he was about 60 years old and Methuselah lived to be 969 years of age. What's my time? I don't know. The Bible says 70, 80, even 120 years in Psalm 90, 10 and for Genesis 6, verse 3. And we even find scriptures in Proverbs chapter 9 telling us that years can be added to our lives. So we're not trying to put any kind of time stamp, my time. I mean, have you had anybody check, check the heel of your foot lately? Is there any expiration date? I don't think so. So Psalm 91 and verse 16 says, with long life. Everybody say long life. Long life. Oh, you should say that with some enthusiasm. Long life. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Therefore, if you know that God has more ahead for you to accomplish and you are not yet satisfied with your life here on earth that it's complete, then why die before your time? Now, even though I'm talking and directing this concerning health because it's the health issues that I've been through in these last months, I want you to know that really this message applies to your finances. It applies to every area and aspect of your life because the enemy is trying to rob you of what rightfully belongs to you. Despite life's uncertainties, we can often live longer if we make wise decisions because the teaching of the wise, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 14, is a fountain of life. The teaching of the wise. Who are the teachers of the wise? Well, it's those who declare the word of God. And it's turning a person from the snares of death. Hallelujah. That's what it says. It turns us from the snares of death. God obviously wants a long life for us. Jesus paid the price for us to have eternal life and also for our healing and health, deliverance, and wholeness. They're all free gifts because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, does this mean, though, that because these are free, that we can be irresponsible to live life any way that we choose? I want you to contemplate that for a minute. Just because they're free, just because of the work that Jesus did, the price that he paid, that we can walk in these, what we call abundant life, as a free gift, does that mean that we can choose to live life 
any way that we want to. Being irresponsible. That we want expecting that there will be no consequences to our actions. No, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 2, if we want to enjoy long life, we must keep all of his decrees and commands. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be enough preaching of his commands and decrees anymore from the pulpits in the churches across America. Do you realize that 37% of American pastors in their pulpits today believe that this is the God-breathed literal word of God? Only 37%. In pulpits in America today can truly declare, I believe that this is God's word. And even fewer of their youth pastors believe it. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, Proverbs 10, 27. Some people die because they rebel against the Lord. All those who died in the days of Noah died before their time. All those who died in the wilderness when Moses was taking them to the promised land died before their time. The wife of Lot died before her time. When Christians do not obey God, they invite the enemy to wreak havoc. I need to say that again. When Christians do not obey God, they invite the enemy to wreak havoc and even shorten their days. So number one, keep God's commandments. Next, some people have died before their time because their faith has been injured or killed. Unbelief can make people die before their time. When I was in one of my hospital stays, uh, you know, when, when I was in the hospitals and, and even when I've gone in to see caregivers, well, even at the restaurant last night, the guys heard me ask one of the cooks, do you love Jesus? People would come into my room and they would talk to me about my diagnosis and the things that were going on. And they'd say, do you have any questions? And I'd say, well, no, not really. Oh, well, but I do have one question. And I'd look at them and I'd say, I just want to know, do you love Jesus? One guy came into my room. He was a, he was a study a student under one of the doctors, one of the interns. And he said, Good morning, Mr. Wilson. How are you? And I looked at him and I said, well, you know, you've read the reports. And then Holy Spirit said, no, he doesn't know. You just got the cancer diagnosis two hours ago from the doctor up north. And so I told him and he looked at me and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know how that goes. And uh, I looked at him and said, Oh, it's okay. I just believe that by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. He sent his word healing all those that oppress the enemy. He signed a healing contract with his people 2,000 years ago, calling himself Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that heals. I said, and besides that, what threat is death to me? And he just looked at me. He said, well, he said, I think I need to go talk to the doctor now. I said, yes, and the first thing you'll do is tell him, don't go into that room. There's a crazy man in that room. He said, no, he said, I don't think so. Two days later, when he came in to tell me that the doctor would be in in a few minutes to sign my release, he said, do you have any questions? That boy must have contemplated some of the things that I had said to him two days earlier. Because I looked at him and I said, well, I have just one question. I said, I just have to know before I leave this hospital. Do you love Jesus? And he looked at me very thoughtful and he said, 
Yes, I do. And I'm going to be praying for you. But you know, there was another little woman who had come into the hospital room. She was taking my blood. And uh, you could tell she was a little rough around the edges. I was trying to be everything that I'd been to everybody else during my stay. And she just was a little gruff. And uh, she asked me if I had any questions. And I said, well, I have just one question. Do you love Jesus? And she looked at me, and in no uncertain terms, she told me that she wasn't going to talk about it, and she didn't want anybody praying for her. And Holy Spirit began to open my eyes, and I began to discern that she had been wounded. How many of you know there are a lot of wounded people? This neighborhood is full of wounded people. People come to church every week, and they're wounded. And what are we doing about their wounds? Are we sitting around and looking at them and being critical? Are we snarking behind their backs when the woman leaves the room? Do we talk about her? Or do we let Holy Spirit use us? And I looked at her and I said something to the effect of, well, would it be all right if I prayed that God would heal your wounded heart? That he would bring into your life people that would not hurt you. And that he would open up to you a church where people would not wound you. And she could tell that I was reading her mail. And she looked at me humbly and she said, I think that would be okay. See, people die before their time. People suffer at the enemy's hands because they're so wounded and can't find healing of the wounded places. After I was diagnosed with that aggressive prostate cancer, Brother Todd and I believe that we heard the Lord saying, there's healing in the process. After I had been released from the first hospital, say, Brother Todd and I had made the decision that he needed to fulfill these obligations that we had until... He went to the first place and that pastor and other pastors started talking about, you need to get back there and help Kent. And so he turned back from Oklahoma and returned to Arizona. And while he's driving in the car, he calls me and he says, I believe the word of the Lord came to me. There's healing in the process. I said, that's, that's, that's what I got too. And then he called me again and he said, you know, he said, remember that story about when Jesus spoke to Peter? And he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He said, oh, I don't know about you, Kent. He said, but I feel like I'm being sifted. I feel like we're being sifted. And he said, but it went on there to say, but Jesus looked at Peter and he said, I have interceded for you or I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Hallelujah. How many of you know I'm so grateful that Jesus is ever interceding? And he intercedes that our faith fail not. And then it went on in the King James and it said, and after you've been converted, but if you look it up in some other translations, you find out, you know, it's not conversion the way that we think of conversion. You know, oh, somebody got converted. They got saved. No, it's actually after you have come through the storm. Then he said, Strengthen the brethren. You know, when Eddie made his introduction of us this morning, I have to tell you that Brother Todd and I were talking about why we were coming down here today. And let me just share this with you. 
I'd spent all year out there in Arizona, and so when I came east, I was ready to be east. But yesterday morning, whenever I got out into my driveway and started heading west on Interstate 80 to come down here, I looked at Brother Todd and I said, you know, it's too soon for me. Feeling like I'm going back west when I just came east. I said, but I know that I've got a word for the church tomorrow. You see, I'm here not because of me. I'm here today because he said, when you've come through the storm, strengthen the brethren. And then the third thing that Brother Todd pointed out, he said, call me back. And he said, you know, another scripture that comes to mind is that story about Jesus and his disciples in the boat. (coughs) There's a storm that arises. And the disciples, they're all shook up. And so they run to the back of the boat and they find Jesus asleep in the hinder part of the boat. He's sounding like Todd in the hotel room last night. And the disciples shake him to wake him. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus gets up and he calms the winds and the waves and the storm ends. Todd said what most people forget is Jesus is in the boat. Hallelujah. Whatever it is that you're going through today, Jesus is in the boat. You need to hear that again. Jesus is in the boat. Listen, it helped me to remain focused each time that the enemy comes to me with his lies. I'm so grateful that I had a firm foundation before I entered the storm. My granny always taught me, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you realize how important it is to come to church? Do you realize how important it is to read your Bible? Do you realize how important it is to hide the word of God in your heart? Because if you wait until the storm and then you start, oh, I got to find something. Oh, I need something. I'm so desperate. How many of you know you're not desperate if it's already in there? I'm telling you, Holy Spirit just brings it back up to you. Hallelujah. And you've got confidence because thy word have I hid in my heart. It was so beneficial to me have the word in my heart. You have to understand that God's word brings life to those that find them and healing to their whole body, Proverbs 4.22. And pleasant words, pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. It's pleasant words. That's not, oh, you look good. You know, people tell me all the time now, oh, you look good. Hallelujah. I say, I feel good too. Todd says, I knew you would. You know, he thinks I sound like the My Pillow commercial guy. <laughs> you look good. I mean, it's nice to have the compliments. But how many of you know what pleasant words are is when the word of God is coming forth. That's what's like honeycomb. The writer isn't just talking about nice words. He's talking about the person who delivers God's words. Each time that the doctor would come to me and tell me that he thought that the cancer had spread to my bones, I would declare, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. He sent his word healing all those that oppressed the enemy. God signed a healing contract with his people. I knew before the storm who God is. I heard that in that song that we sang this morning. I know who I am. Why do I know who I am? Because he 
is the reason I am who I am. Because of who he is, I am who I am. It's important to know who he is before the challenges. Then there's no doubt in our hearts. It's important to know that his word, what his word says about us and what belongs to us before we get bad reports. Then the enemy can't distract us. Every time I feel a symptom or read a negative report or hear the doctor's report, I know that the Bible, what the Bible says about me and I can trust God that he is able to deliver me. When you have weapons and do not use them, anything can happen. You should make use of your divine weapons. So number two, know who God is and what his word says about you. God's word is a weapon. Our words in line with his word is a weapon. A friend of mine sent me a message this morning just to remind me how important that binding his word to us you know, a lot of times we, we say, I bind the devil. Well, I say that too. But do you know how important it is to bind his word to you? It's like something that's crocheted, right? I mean, it's bound together. His word bound together so that his word is what's coming out of my mouth. I have to be proactive concerning my health. My actions do matter. I need to be declaring God's word rather than repeating what the doctor says or family members say or what negative people say. Wrong use of the mouth will invite death. I think I need to say that again. Wrong use of the mouth will invite death. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. When people make evil pronouncements against you and you accept them, you invite death. When you say things about yourself that are contrary to the word of God, you invite death. We know of a gentleman up in Michigan. We went to visit some friends and were sitting on their back porch and they pointed over at the neighbor's property, a man that used to live there, and he would talk to them all the time and he would talk about how that his grandfather died at the age of 51, I believe it was, and his dad died at the age of 51, and that he was sure going to die at the age of 51. Guess what happened on his 51st birthday? He died. By your words, you invite the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. So number three, speak God's word. Number four, choose joy. Everybody shout, choose joy. joy. Oh, if that was a shout, I'd hate to see you getting mugged in a dark alley. Everybody shout, choose joy. Fear and worry are two things that most definitely work against us. The minds of many people are so worried and stressed up. Whereas the Bible says in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Stop watching the news. Worry and fear are silent killers. The enemy is constantly trying to chip away. Brother Todd has been hounding and pounding on me about this for months now. The enemy is constantly trying to chip away at our joy. He knows that if 
that it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And a merry heart does good like unto a medicine. I can have a merry heart because my joy is not based on my circumstances, but rather my relationship with Jesus Christ. Whatever you're going through today, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that God doesn't care about you. Always remember that 1 Peter 5, 7 tells you to cast all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Why would you sit in your room and cover up your head and say, nobody cares about me. Jesus doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. He cares for you. He cares so much that he gave his only begotten son. He cares so much that he was willing to lay down his life for you. Jesus said, as long as we're in this world, we'll be, we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, I made up my mind going into this storm that I wasn't going to be angry, mean, and rude, patient. You've seen those. I know some people personally, pastors, that whenever they got in the hospital, they weren't nice. Come on now. But I made up my mind. When I'd begin to have a bad day, I'd make up my mind to shake it off and smile when I came into contact with others. Now, yes, there were a few days, I have to tell you, we lived with this pastor and his wife out there in Arizona. They were so loving and gracious. She was actually bedridden three days before she, before I came to live with them. But Holy Spirit nudged her and told her she needed to get up out of that bed and take care of me. And before she was bedridden, she was in a wheelchair. Uh, and before that, she was in a walker. And so, I mean, this woman had just gone down, 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 down. And Holy Spirit said to her, you need to take care of Kent. And I thought, <clears throat> I can't put this on that woman. I knew what challenges she was going through. And she said, no, you have to come live with me. Holy Spirit said you have to come live with me. Hallelujah. I knew the physical challenge her husband was having, and he ended up having knee replacement surgery while we were with them. And, and yet Holy Spirit said to them, I want you to take care of, of these guys. And so uh, now, I mean, she's just up and about, and you couldn't tell anything's wrong with her because Holy Spirit, you know, you do for others, he'll do for you. Come on now. And and, and, and so anyway, there were days, though, that, that she would come to me. She's 82 years old. She'd come to me because she'd tell she could tell I was starting off having a bad day. And she'd just wrap her arms around me and say, come here, you need a mama's hug. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm not telling you that, that it was easy, but I had to make the choice. I got that mama's hug, and it's like, okay, I'm going to have a good day. Hallelujah. Brother Todd, he had nudged me. Because I'd sit there and, and I'd fuss and whine and say things like, you know, I'm so tired of being cooped up here. I'm so tired of not being out there in the traveling ministry doing what I'm doing. I'm so tired of being out here in the state of Arizona. And I'd just blubber and whine and fuss and, you know, don't look at me that way. You've done it too. I'd just carry on. And he'd look at me and he'd say, Kent, just remember all the good things that God has done for you. I mean, he's paying all your bills. You didn't have medical insurance, but the state of Arizona is covering all of your medical bills. You couldn't get into a doctor for seven weeks, but you got in in less than 24 hours. You you got all of these things that are going on that God has done. People are walking up to you and giving you personal money to pay your personal bills without you even asking. Asking anybody? I mean, how many of you know you can be of good cheer? Hallelujah. <clears throat> because I made the choice. Many of the patients and staff at the cancer center would comment about the light that they would see in me. I told 
Eddie and Jason last night, I know you're not supposed to enjoy going to the cancer center, but I enjoyed going to the cancer center. I'm telling you, every day I'd be there. The light of Christ would shine. God would use me. People were amazed. Brother Todd sat there and he watched. He, he, he said, you could tell there were religious people. They'd talk about God. But he said that you could tell the difference between you and them is you're in a relationship. Come on now. There's a difference between a man who's in a relationship and a man who's in a religion. I think I need to say that again. There's a difference between a man that's in a relationship and a man that's in a religion. They enjoyed being around me. When I went back for follow-up, they hugged me and told me how much they missed me. How many of you know you need to let your light shine and be of good cheer? Number five, you need to take control. Am I helping anybody or am I just boring you this morning? All right. Number five, you need to take control of your thoughts. You need to take control of your thoughts. Sometimes that's what I have to do. I have to reach out and I have to grab and say, I take control of my thoughts in Jesus' name. Gird up the loins of your mind. That's what we were told. Corral your thoughts. Your thoughts are like cattle out there in the field that run all over the place if you don't put up a fence. And it takes a whole lot more effort once you let them run out there. We've been around cattle ranchers lately. they got to do Roundup. It's a whole lot more work than if they're just out there in a fence. Come on now. And some of you are letting your thoughts just wander all over the place. Well, I can't help the way you think. You can help the way you think. The Bible helps us to help the way that we think. When I feel or see a symptom or sense something negative in my body, I don't deny the reality of it. Or if the doctor says something or asks something, I don't deny it. But I choose not to focus on it but rather to focus on the completed work of Calvary and the price that was paid for me. When I've been given bad reports, I choose to focus on the report of the Lord. When I hear a wrong thought come to me, I have to be responsible to take control of my thoughts. Jeremiah 21 verse 8 tells us, choose life. How many of you know there's a lot of choosing that we have to make to walk in the promises of God? You're going to walk in financial freedom? Then you need to choose to believe that my God supplies all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You need to choose to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and see that he's got. Listen, I stopped getting paid. I haven't gotten paid. Brother Todd hasn't gotten paid since the month of January because we weren't able to go into the churches. I'm not telling you this to get your pity. I'm just telling you these are the facts. Okay? We haven't got paid since the month of January because we haven't been able to go into the church as a minister. And we've got to keep that work in Russia going. That's what's important. We've got to keep that going. And so the staff have to be assured that they're going to get salaries every month. The meals have to be bought. The insurance has to be paid. The vehicles have to run. All of these things, it has to be done. Okay, but there was a certain amount that God had put on my heart to put in the offering every week. Well, you know, I could have been like most Christians. Well, I'll pay my tithe. But since I'm not getting paid, I ain't paying tithe. No. God put an amount in my heart. And and even when we were really, 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 really down, I said, I really don't have enough to put in this week, I don't think. And Holy Spirit cautioned me to do what he said to do and be obedient. And so... Don't you know the pastor asked me to get up and receive the offering that morning? Hallelujah. And so I just shared with them what was on my heart. And that I was still putting in. I didn't tell them how much. 
I'm not telling you either. It's none of your business. But I put in what he told me to put in. And and don't you know, uh, one little elderly woman in the church wrote us a $500 personal check. Uh, another pastor in another community, uh, they they had received offering for the ministry, but they they gave money personal to Brother Todd and I. And then they came back a few weeks later, and they said, we heard our missionaries put uh, on their credit card to pay their medical bills, because I had nine over $9,000 worth of medical bills when I was self-pay before I ever got the state of Arizona on board. And, and, so, they, uh, and so I still had, you know, like $2,500 that I had to put on a credit card. And he said, so we heard about that, because his son-in-law said, can I be nosy? Can I ask you some personal questions? And it's like, okay, I'm an open book. And so I told, and then he walks up to me, uh, two days later and he hands me cash so that we could pay off the credit card. Listen, when you're obedient to do what God tells you to do, I'm really trying to help you this morning. When you're obedient to do what God tells you to do, how many of you know God always comes through? Oh, that I ought to write a song. When you do what you're, oh, that, that'd make a good song. Hallelujah. <laughs> Doesn't he always come through? For you, he's the same now as then. You remember that? When I hear wrong thought coming to me, I have to control my thoughts. It's a choice. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Something else that I found out to be very important. Don't allow the enemy to separate you. And this is the hour that we live in. Just look around you. Just look around you this morning. This is the hour that we live in. Don't allow the enemy to separate you from other believers. Satan would like nothing more than to isolate you and have you withdraw from the people of God. When you, listen, when you go to church, it's important because those people will lift you up. They will help to strengthen you. Listen, When you hear the word of God that brings you strength and the fellowship of other believers. Folks, I can tell you that whenever I was going through this, I did not allow myself to be isolated. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, isolation is not sound judgment. Just like in nature, if the adversary can separate you from the herd, then he's most likely to devour you. Certainly it's wise to separate from people who are foolish, who speak contrary to the word of God, who speak things that will fill you with fear and worry. But I have a network of trusted believers. Look, we confided in Pastor Chad, and he confided in others, asking for prayer for me. I confided in Connie. She wrote to me. So I would just be an open book. Because I know that they'll pray and stand and agree with me. Listen, if I had secluded myself, Jill Stafford, who's the wife of the director of the Bible school that we attended, she wouldn't have written to me early one morning and said, I've been up half the night praying for you. Who stays up half the night praying for somebody? But she stayed up half the night praying for me. And on the morning that I was going to my urologist to get the bone scan report, and he had told me twice that he thought it had gone into the bones, and he had told me that he thought that I had five to ten good years with treatment. She said, the word of the Lord came to me, you're going to live and not die, and 
It's curable, not just treatable. Hallelujah. I went into the doctor that day and he was so happy, pointed to the big screen, said it hasn't gone into the bones and he said it's not just treatable, but it's curable. And then he put his arm around my waist and he told me, just go do your thing. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's not just treatable, it's curable. But if I had isolated myself, she would have never gotten that word. She would have never interceded. People around the world would not have been interceding for me, and I would not be standing in this pulpit today. And that's the truth. It's important to press into other believers so that they'll pray for you and encourage you in the Lord. I'm convinced that my obedience to include others in this process has made a difference. The Bible is full of examples of the need to pray for one another. It reminds us that we're not alone, and when others are praying for us, it builds up their faith. And I'm about to close. One last point is that of worship. Worship. I'll tell you, even when you don't feel like it, worship. I've been there. He said in Deuteronomy 6.2, And if you and your descendants want to live a long time, you must always worship the Lord and obey His laws. Started off with decrees and commands, obey His laws. But how many of you know, worship and obedience, worship and obedience, worship and obedience. I know that it's not always easy to worship in the midst of pain and suffering, but let me tell you from experience, I've sensed His presence so very near to me when I press into worship. I remember one day that I was racked with pain and I decided to take one of those hot baths to try to bring comfort. You can put that on, Connie. In those moments, I would soak in his word, listening to healing scriptures, reminding myself of his promises. I could hear some of the conversation from the next room. And listen to me, I was sitting in that bath and I'm, I'm crying out to God. God, it's okay. Just kill me. It's okay. I just can't take the pain. Then I heard them talk about this. All my days, I've been held held in your hands. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your healing virtue that flows. Thank you, Father, for deliverance that comes. Thank you for provision that is ours. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you can put something on quietly back there in the background, but I want to pray just for a moment. If you're here today and you've got need of healing in your body with every head bowed and everyone having your privacy, because we're not trying to make a show of anything and trying to embarrass anybody, but if you've got something physical going on today and you desperately need prayer. Would you put up your hand right now all over the building? I want to pray for you. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Father, right now, I see, I see. Lord, I thank you right now that you're a healing Jesus in this house. I thank you, Father God, that every cell, every organ, every tissue, that it lines up with your word right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the bone and the marrow the joints and the ligaments, that they line up with your word right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that every muscle lines up with your word right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that the enemy cannot hinder any longer in the name of Jesus. Father, we cry out for you 
for your healing touch. Jesus, you supplied for us. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. And if we were, then we are. And we thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. I come against every cancer cell in Jesus' name. I come against the spirit of arthritis right now in Jesus' name. I come against every stomach disorder right now in Jesus' name. I bind the word of God to your heart right now in Jesus' name. That your heart would line up with his word and that it would function. It was created to function from the beginning. Father, I come against diabetes right now in Jesus' name. That every blood disorder be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you for healing every brain disorder right now. I come against Alzheimer and dementia. And I bind the word of God to your minds right now in Jesus' name. And that fear because of family members. That there's a history in the family. I come against that fear right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I thank you that your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Thank you for that, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Father, if there's some ailment in the body that I've not yet mentioned, neuropathy, anything else, Father God, I thank you that you're the one who brings healing. Father, for everyone here who's going through some financial Challenges. If that's you, put up your hand right now. Father, I lift those up to you right now in Jesus' name. I know what that feels like. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare the windows of heaven are open. And they're pouring out blessings onto us that are not even containable. You are the one who supplies today. The word says we scatter and we increase. Because we're faithful to give. Father, we increase in Jesus' name. There's somebody in here, you're going through some, what seems like overwhelming family challenges. If that's you right now, put up your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, you see those hands. Lord, you're the one who can heal the brokenness, mend the families, bring healing to the wounded places. There's somebody in here, you just feel tremendously wounded this morning. You have that broken heart. If that's you, put your hand up right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see it. Father, right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I lift them up to you. I declare over them that you are the oil and the wine. You're the balm of Gilead. You're that emergency aid in our life right now. So I speak healing into that wounded life, into that wounded mind, into that wounded heart. Father, they've lifted their hands in numerous occasions this morning, and I think that 
You've showed me that that woundedness is the basis of all of these other struggles and challenges. And if we get through to that wounded place and just allow you to bring healing into that woundedness, all of these other things are going to come in line. They're going to find themselves walking out of those physical challenges. They're going to find themselves walking out of those financial challenges. They're going to find themselves walking out of those family challenges. Because you've healed the woundedness. You've healed the wounded heart. I just encourage you, let God heal that wounded heart right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, stop allowing the enemy to tell you you can't get over it, you can't get through it. Stop allowing the enemy to torment you with those lying thoughts. What's done is done, it's under the blood. Wash it away, Lord Jesus. Wash it away. I thank you for it, Father. Lord, what other needs are represented here today? Father, I thank you that you are more than enough. And I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Chad. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many appreciate Micaiah Ministries? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to... uh, I could have my ushers... Uh, come forward. We're going to take up an offering. Um, Ryan, if you could give us uh, maybe a little bit of worship to close with. Um, we're going to pray over Micaiah Ministries. And then we're just going to worship together before we close here. And um, something he didn't mention this morning, uh, but something that you probably need to be aware of is how many remember the travel restrictions with COVID? And so it was very difficult for that period of time to get in and out of Russia. And then right after COVID, uh, war began in Russia. So one of the things that they've communicated very well over the years is they have built leadership in the orphanages there. And had they not had the foresight to build such strong leaders, and these are leaders that came through the orphanage, and now they're the leaders, and now they're raising up people, they're discipling people, um, they're pouring into the community there still. And uh, so they had to at this period of time because they're not able to get back in there. Hopefully real soon uh, you'll be able to get back in there. And uh, But they've been functioning because of the leadership that they poured in and continue daily to pour into the leadership there. So as we pray for Todd and uh, and uh, Brother Todd, this our, um Kent this morning. <laughs> Well, my mind's a million miles away this morning. Um, As we pray for them this morning, we want to pray for the community. Uh, We want to pray for the leaders that are in Micaiah Ministries. And uh, we just want to pray that God continues to pour into that community uh, this morning. So, Brother Todd, Brother Ken, if you can come up here this morning. And uh, if we could, we're going to take up an offering. Uh, In fact, let's... uh, Let's just uh, reach your hand forward here. I don't want to get you out of your seat since we're getting ready to take an offering. But just reach your hands forward and let's pray for this ministry. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for Kent and Todd, Lord. And uh, Lord, the relationship that we've had with them over the years, Lord, the many years, Lord. 
uh, with this ministry, Lord. And we thank you for the word uh, that they always are faithful to bring when they're here, Lord. Um, It's always a word from your throne, Lord, and it's a word that um, we always need to hear, Lord, prophetic, Lord. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for Kent and, um, and Lord, the work that you've done in his body, Lord God, in his heart, Lord. You've um, been so faithful, Lord. Your goodness has overflowed, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for taking care of him and uh, ministering your healing upon him, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, we just pray right now that you would uh, continue to bless Todd and Kent um, in their ministry. And, I, and, Lord, I pray for the leadership right now in Russia, Lord. Um, You've raised up so many incredible leaders, Lord. And uh, Lord, we know that the enemy is all around them, Lord God. And uh, right now we pray that your mighty angels, Lord, would encompass um, that facility, Lord. Lord, that it would be around that ministry, Lord, that your anointing would be upon uh, the leaders, Lord, that you would, uh, your angels would protect. And Lord, you would go before them, Lord God. Father, you would bind the enemy around them, Lord, and you would release, Lord, your grace and your mercy in that community, Lord, upon every orphan, Lord, that is um, that they reach out to, Lord, that your goodness would continue to flow through the streets of Russia, Lord God. Father, that you would raise up more and more leaders, Lord, when the enemy uh, means for bad, Lord, we would raise up your good in that community, Lord. Lord, let every dollar that's collected today, Lord, Lord, let it go to the furthering of your kingdom in Russia, Lord. Lord, do mighty things right now, Lord God. And I pray that you would move upon the hearts of this church, Lord. Uh, Lord, that we would be uh, eager to give, Lord. And uh, joyfully give, Lord God, to a good cause, Lord. And we uh, pray your blessing upon it, Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just stay in worship for a few minutes as we collect the offering. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love these guys. Hallelujah. How many appreciate Micaiah? Ministries, Hallelujah. Um, as I was um, came over to talk to Brother Todd, he uh, he thanked me, Ken. He said, "I'm so thankful that you remembered my name and not his." <laughs> How many think it would have been better for me to to not remember Todd's name and remember Ken's? Hallelujah. That would have been better for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I appreciate you all so much and uh, for supporting ministries like this. Hallelujah. It's a big deal. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And uh, Lord, we just pray a blessing upon your people, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful for those who are faithful to your house. Lord, those who love you no matter what, Lord, no matter what the world throws at us, Lord, no matter the chaos, Lord, we... um, We love you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for your people, and I pray your blessing upon them as they go, Lord God. Bless their day, Lord. And uh, just let your spirit, Lord, be upon them all day long, Lord. Let them minister uh, to everyone they come in contact, Lord. Just let them glow with your spirit, Lord. 
your name I pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said...